Welcome back on Into the Backyard Band Show podcast. Bueller hanging out with you for another interview. We've got a really cool one coming up for you today. As always, I like to mention if you're in a band, you want your music featured on the Backyard Band Show radio show on WCHX 105.5, simply shoot me an email, bwb at chx105.com, or hit the station up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at WCHX 105.5. Very responsive. We'll get back to you in a nice, timely manner. Now, this week, we're talking guitars And I'm going to go as far as to say we're talking aficionados. Now, when I think of bands that are strictly focused in the realm of music, uh, what comes to mind is Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, John Petrucci, Paul Gilbert, and uh, even Michael Angelo Badia has like some cool solo stuff. I'd like to add to that list from Northeastern PA. That's right. Nipa, Charles Rosello. A extremely talented guitarist. He has overcome a lot in the past couple of years to get where he is today as a musician. And he's put together a fantastic group called the Russello Project. So we're going to talk with him. We're going to find out what it's like being in a band where the focus is on the music and in the solos and the instrumentation. Not so much the lyrics. That's right. These guys do not have any words with their songs and uh, you you feel what they feel through the music so let's bring charles rosello of the rosello project onto the backyard band show podcast i'd like to welcome on to the backyard bands podcast 2014's guitarist of the year awarded by the electric city music conference he's been playing guitar since about the age of 15 and recently released the debut album, Eleven Eleven. It's Charles Russolo of the Russolo Project. How are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm checking out your stuff. I dig what it is that you're putting out. You are a, a, a phenomenal guitarist. You're, you're basically, uh, you know... Northeastern PA's Joe Satriani, if if I may be so kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I never thought of it in that, those terms. <laughs> so, as a non-vocal music-oriented act, uh, what is that whole songwriting process like? I've always been so curious, kind of how that all comes together. Yeah, well, you know, what I'm trying to do here with this group is focus on trying to make a connection with an audience, you know, without having them the you know, listen to lyrics and me explain the story that way. And uh, if I can somehow connect emotionally with them through the music, then I know I've done my job. I mean, I love playing guitar, and regardless of that, it's the compositions I'm really trying to focus in on now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other two guys in the group, Mike Bosey and uh, Bob Kirby, they do a great job because uh, they understand what I'm trying to do. So we really mesh together well. That's great, and you can kind of see you guys, you know, working together when you watch the videos that you do have up on your website. Uh, You guys really do kind of have that cohesiveness about you, which is great. But, you know, a lot of what can connect an audience to a live performance is, of course, uh, the frontman interaction. So in your live shows, what do you do, Charlie, to, to try and command that audience? So one of the, I think one of the important things for for me is that I, I try to tell a little bit of a story around each song, mm-hmm. why that song exists, and you know what it means to me. And it seems to really work well because then I'm 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 narrowing the audience's imagination down to a specific topic. 
Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of my favorite tunes is a tune I wrote for my father after he had passed, mm. and it's called Fly Away. And when I talk about that song, and, you know, he had cancer, and then, you know, side note, I ended up having cancer, and uh, I didn't die, though, although I was supposed to. Amazingly, I, I was able to uh, get, get through that scare. Mm-hmm. And so that really connects with an audience, because, you know, pretty much everybody knows someone who had cancer, was very yeah. sick, and, you know, and, and of course, it's not just about that, it's about, you know, the, the, the loss of a loved one, so mm-hmm. everybody can, can connect with that. So I do tell stories, and then I think that helps them understand where I'm coming from, and in turn, they really feel the music the way I was hoping that they would. And I'm, I'm curious, during your shows, because, you know, of course, when you put it like that, when you do put that story out there, when you give them, hey, this is how you should, in theory, be connecting to this, what, what kind of response do you typically see from an audience? Is it more relaxed, just kind of focused in on you listening? Do you sometimes get people dancing? How does that, you know, how do people react? Yeah, so our audiences overwhelming, overwhelmingly are audiences who just focus in on our music and playing they tend to close their eyes they tend to just really focus on the listening and we do have a few up-tempo songs i don't we've never gotten an audience to go dance you know but uh we we get them to bob their heads that's for sure and uh so it's it's kind of a mix Uh, we, we you know one of the goals of this project was to have music that is high energy but at the same time and possibly in the same song you can hear a needle drop in the room because it gets so soft, you know? So there's a wide dynamic range. I wanted to get away from the typical, you know, modern music is pretty much one volume all the way, you know? Oh, yeah, and, 11. Um, right, and, and I just wanted to get away from that and go back to more of a dynamic and, mm. and you know, very emotional thing. And that's why I decided to do this. This project is, has been on my plate since I started playing guitar. <laughs> I've recorded many... You know, I've been in many bands and recorded many albums in the past, mm-hmm. mostly heavy metal and hard rock. But, you know, this has been on my plate. In fact, all the songs on that album mm-hmm. are old by today's standard. Like, <laughs> several of them are 10 years old, and a few of them are 20 years old, oh, or if word. not more, you know? <laughs> so, yeah pretty amazing yeah that is really cool to kind of get that to get to see that all come together and it must feel really good to finally get it you know to see it come to fruition and i'm curious you know as a guitarist who were some of your earliest influences when you decided to go and pick up an axe yeah so without a doubt you know what i think what launched me into the world of rock was uh you know so as a so let me go, go way back as a as a very mm-hmm. small child i used to listen to my parents, you know, they had Elvis records, mm-hmm. and I would listen to that, you know. And and then I was never really into music other than listening to it on the on the radio. And then whenever a song came on I'd like, I'd hit the record button on my tape deck, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> capture the song. But, um, but then there was a moment where I discovered Rush mm. and Led Zeppelin and those kind of bands, and, you know, for sure, without a doubt, I always say Jimmy Page and Randy Rhodes, they were the guys Ooh. that just made me have to pick up a guitar. Yeah, they they definitely took it to a next level, and you get that because a lot of your music does have a very uh, a progressive feel to it. There's, of course, melody, uh, you intermix some, like, ethereal breaks in the middle of it, and then, I mean, you just you shred as well, so you can definitely get that, that large mix of all those different influences. Um, so yep. 
I'm I'm curious. Um, you know, your songs are are just like these beautifully crafted solos, and I'm curious how true are your live performances to your recordings? Because I, I dabble in guitar myself, and you know, back in days when I played in bands, I would get to a guitar and just a hundred percent make it up. I'm curious. How do you kind of deal with that since there's a lot of notes you are playing? How do you, you know, verse the recording to what is happening right. live? Yeah, so one of the, the one of the premises to this group that I've discussed with the, you know, the other members of the group is that I wanted to be structurally true to the music, but mm-hmm. I wanted us to improvise every time so that the audience can always come and see us and hear something new. So plus it keeps it fresh for us as the mm-hmm. musicians. So all of the melodies and all of the major movements, they're always true to what you're hearing on the recording. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the actual guitar solos or bass solos or, you know, any of the the creative moments in the songs, those could be anything depending on that night. Now, that is... Oh, sorry, go right ahead. No, no, so that's basically the premise is the melodic statements are... As is, but everything else, it could be whatever happens, happens. That's kind of a really fun take to have on it, because you can have an audience that is the the exact same audience on a Friday and Saturday, and they're potentially getting two completely separate shows. Yes, uh, there's definitely a large improvisational component to our playing. And me personally, just on a personal level, kind of what you just said, I really enjoy improvising and Mm -hmm. just making things up on the fly. So... You know, and in fact, those solos you're hearing on that album were improv solos. So I, I did a few takes, and then we just kept one. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. Because, you know, you hear stories of, like, you know, some of these guys going in with their bands, and, I mean, the, the song gets laid down, everything's fine, and then it gets to the, the solo, and they want to make sure every note is just absolutely perfect and absolutely precise. And I don't know how you feel about that, Charlie, but I, I feel like that kind of loses some of the emotion behind the song, right? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I never like I never really thought about it from that aspect because I've never ran into that problem. Like I, no one's ever asked me to play on a recording mm-hmm. precision notes, you know, in a certain way. But what I have run into is the groove and the rhythmic component mm-hmm. where today everybody's playing like if the snare drum doesn't hit exactly on the beat, they're moving it in editing. Yes. And they're putting it right on the beat. I don't, I'm not into that. I'm into, like, Led Zeppelin kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you play it and you feel it. The song might speed up. It might slow down. That's okay. We don't have to be a machine in there. Just like we don't need max volume, we don't need precise rhythms constantly. You know? Yeah, it's all rock and roll, baby. That's what it's That's all right. about. Exactly. Now, on top of like that emotion and that feeling, I would have to imagine, is lighting a big component for your shows as well? So that is a huge topic of mine that I have not been able to realize yet. Um, I I want to create a show in which the music is basically a soundtrack for the lights. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Uh, I want like a big theatrical, like one of my dream shows would be like in a planetarium where I'm playing and you can see the universe, you know, Um, like that would be like a, a dream show of mine. So, Although we've had some cool light shows, I've never fully realized that concept yet. So we're still working on that, and hopefully post-COVID era Mm. here we'll get into that, you know? Well, speaking of COVID, I am curious. Obviously, that put uh, a a pretty big kibosh 
on the music industry and live shows. How how was the Rosello project kind of able to push through and I, I guess how, how to phrase it, stay, stay relevant to their audience during the past, say, 15 to 16 months? Yeah, so right at that time uh, COVID hit, uh, we were going to release the album and mm-hmm. We didn't because COVID hit. So sure. then we just waited till recent time to, to uh, deliver it. But, you know, through our Internet uh, connection with people, you know, Facebook, our website, and so mm-hmm. on, um, you know, we, we kept in touch. We, you know, we would just let them know what's going on. We would put mm-hmm. little snippets of us rehearsing now and then. And so, you know, we just let everybody know that, you know, we didn't go away. We're just waiting for all this to pass, and yeah. we'll be back. And so now we're, we're stepping out on the 25th of this month. We're doing a CD release party in Scranton. Oh, cool. So we're going to start stepping out and playing, and, and you know, hopefully we'll start getting around again and people can come out and see us. Now, do you have, outside of that 25th date, do you, do you have shows kind of in the, uh, in the bucket per se, or are we still kind of waiting to hear on that end? Yeah, we're waiting to hear. We have some things in development, but mm-hmm. right now the only solid show I have upcoming is the 25th. Now, we just did two shows in the past month, mm-hmm. and so they're, they're done with, but, but our only solid show is the 25th at a place called Finnegan's in Scranton. Very cool. We'll have to make sure to uh, make sure people get on out to that. Now, uh, Charlie, if you don't mind, I do want to take somewhat of a serious tone. Uh, I believe it was the early part of the 2010s uh, that you were given a lymphoma diagnosis. And with most people, that would potentially stop any sort of music career, you know, kind of in their tracks. Uh, However... It doesn't seem to have stopped you in any way. If anything, it made you want to work harder. So how have you used that experience to kind of drive your music? So that's, a, that's exactly correct. What, what happened in a nutshell was uh, I somehow ended up with stage 4 lymphoma. Damn. I have no idea how I got it or how it developed. Most mm-hmm. doctors uh, are telling me that it's just a hereditary thing. You know, it's, you, know you just can't help it. It's not your environment. And uh, when that happened, I had been diagnosed and told that I, I, I could have potentially only about six months to live. And oh at that God. moment, my wife was pregnant with our first child. Oh, my word. So, so everything was doom and gloom. But, you know, to the, in my area, I wasn't getting the kind of treatment I was hoping for. So we mm-hmm. went out and we found a place called Fox Chase Cancer Center and also mm-hmm. the University of Pennsylvania. And between them, mm-hmm. we found, you know, excellent treatment, and they got me through it. Now, during that process, mm-hmm. the Rosello Project, I had already just started the Rosello Project with actually different musicians at the time. Oh. And um, so I had to put that on hold, mm-hmm. and then, you know, a few years went by, and then I ended up reforming that, but it really made me want to get it done this time because Mm -hmm. I saw how fickle my life could be. It could be gone in an instant, and I didn't want to leave this planet without leaving that little mark of music that I could call all my own. And, you know, because like I said, I've worked in many bands, Mm -hmm. and and I have enjoyed the collaboration, and I love that. But this was all me. This is 100%, you know, my music. Now, the other guys in the group currently, uh, Mike and Bob, we've already written practically the entire second album together, so I can't wait for that to come out. So it's going to be a whole other step up. 
That is uh, that is truly an amazing story. Yeah, you can kind of you can hear it when you go through and listen to the album, just kind of the uh, the, the the stories and the passion. It, tr- it truly is uh, fantastic. Now, I- I'm curious if you might be able to tell me a little bit about how you got hooked up with Mike Bossy because he's uh, he's got a pretty solid resume between making it appearances, you know, playing sharing the stage with uh, L.A. Guns, Skid Row, big names in uh, yeah, rock and roll. Yeah. You know, he's a Moonstone endorsed artist, a talented bassist. How did you guys kind of get together? Yeah, so so Mike Bosey, he was he was originally out in the Philly area, mm-hmm. and that's where he resided. And then he eventually came up this way. Um, he lives up in the uh, like the Beach Lake area, mm-hmm. um, and that, that up towards Honesdale here in Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, yeah. anyway, he uh, he had an ad. Actually, I had an ad on Craigslist looking for a bassist, and he answered that ad. And would you believe a good thing happened because of Craigslist? Who'd have thought? And, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and on the other side of it, Bob Kirby, the drummer, mm-hmm. he was um, answering an ad on Facebook that I had put out there. <laughs> so I found both guys through those means. You, know, you, you would think I would have found them through like a network of other musicians or something, you know? <laughs> but uh, no, but these were just total cold calls and it ended up working out fantastic. That really is amazing because, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've been in the position in the past, I've been there myself, where you go through a litany of Craigslist ads and, 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 and just like random people on Facebook yep. and nine times out of ten... You do not get the lot that that you have there with the Rosello project, so yep. that really is amazing. I, I'm curious because you know you are a very talented guitarist, and like I said earlier, you do remind me of the likes of you know uh, Joe Satriani or a uh, John Petrucci type of player, just with how intricate you make your songs. Do you ever offer lessons to guitarists that are possibly looking to kind of make it to the next level in their playing? Yes, I do. In fact, that's how I've been pretty much making a living my whole life is teaching. Nice. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, the, I do teach privately out of my mm-hmm. home. I also do, you know, the, the Skype thing with people if they want to do video lessons, if they're far, farther away or if mm-hmm. they don't want to come here, especially during the COVID time. Mm-hmm. So we had that going. And, uh, but I also wrote uh, a book on how to play guitar for beginner to advanced levels. And I also used to have a television show through a public access station, just like a Wayne's World, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but I did it, uh, it was called Guitar Shop, and I taught guitar half hour a week through Marywood College, through their access station. And uh, for about 10 years, it ran through the 90s, wow. all the way through that whole decade. And everybody knew who I was uh, around here because of that, and that helped promote my book at the time and my students. But to this day, I'm still teaching, and yeah, so I definitely, I love teaching. It's, it's, a, it's a craft that I've developed mm. over the years where I really know how to get someone to learn. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a huge respect for people that are able to teach instruments. It takes a lot of patience on your end and a, a lot of skill as well. So, I mean, I commend you for, for being able to do that for as long as you have. Real quick, before we get ready to put a wrap on it, I, I just want to touch on it one more time. What is in the future for the Rosello Project? You said a potential another album on the way. We got some shows uh, maybe in the pipeline. What, uh, how, what, what do we have to look forward to? Yeah, so... First and foremost, I, ju- I really want to be out there playing. So, you know, we're going to be playing as much as we can. Uh, we, I want to connect with audiences. I want them to come and hear us live. 
but at the same time, now they can take us home. So I hope that they visit the website and check out the music. And maybe uh, we have digital downloads. We have CDs available. Um, so our thing right now is get out there and let's start playing as long as we're allowed to do that with this whole COVID situation. And then after that, we are going to get a second album out probably a lot quicker than we thought because we, we practically have it all written. So once we get the ball rolling into next year, I think we're going to probably put a second one out immediately also. That's what I like to hear. Charlie Russello of the Russello Project, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's so good to hear people interested in this kind of music. Charles Russello, the main man, the mastermind behind Northeastern PA's The Russello Project. Be sure to check them out on Facebook, on their website. I'll, of course, include links to both of those in the show notes right here on the podcast. And that is going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the Backyard Band Show. Be sure to tune in next week. We're going to have another band. You may have heard of them. Coffee with Lions. Yeah, we're going to talk with a couple dudes from that group. I had a lot of fun with these guys chatting about all things local music, the punk scene, and what it's like being older in a hard rock band. So be sure to tune in to the next edition of the Backyard Band Show podcast. In the meantime, keep on rocking in the backyard.